You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 195, and my name is Clark from 5cardguys.com and 5cardguys on Instagram. Co-hosting with me, as usual, is Hyung of Integrity Sports Cards and John, who is Trade You at Recess. All right, off the top today, we just heard, as of this recording, right before this recording actually, some good news finally for Panini America this time, and uh, because they announced that they secured a multi-year trading card partnership with Live Golf. And uh, here's a blurb from the Live Golf website on what you can expect from the deal, all right? So, quote, it says, Panini's inaugural line of golf products will include physical trading cards featuring match-worn memorabilia and authentic autographs from Live Golf players. Panini plans to introduce the first Live Golf trading cards with its popular Prism and Impeccable brands. In addition, Panini will launch a a Live Golf Panini Instant Card program where real-time cards will be released after tournaments highlighting some of the winning moments and memorable shots throughout the season, as well as Live Golf team sets, end quote. So that Panini Instant kind of sounds like a tops now kind of thing right um so yeah what do you guys think would you pick up some of these Mm -hmm. panini live golf cards when they come out i know you guys are golfers Mm, i'm not so yeah i'm curious to see if i (laughs) i am a golfer Mm. but i don't know if i'm a golf collector but if i were a golf collector i guess it depends on who's who's in this set like who are we talking i guess uh Liv has Phil Mickelson. I guess mm-hmm. that's a big name. So he yeah. would be a decent. Uh, Brooks Kepka, uh, John Dustin Rahm. Johnson, Rom, Bryson DeChambeau. So yeah. there, there is a bit of collectability, I think, in it. Like, I think it would be cool to see what they come up with. And Prism's just treading water right now. They're just throwing, they're treading water and trying to <laughs> right. run a sports card company right now. They're just, you know, doing whatever they can to stay afloat. And yeah, I, I just feel like, um, like, I don't think it's going to be a mass, like it brings value to Panini, obviously. And that's what they're trying to do is still be relevant, still be valuable because, you know, live golf is a, uh, you know, PGA's competition. So I think it's a, it's something that potentially can work out because live is different than PGA. So we don't know what you know, PGA was limited to with, you know, golf cards uh, in the past. So, you know, I, I'm i interested to see how this pans out, to be honest. I'm not totally uh, dismissing it, but it is prism golf. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Not, ex- not, not super excited is what I'm saying. Like, I'm not like, mm-hmm. okay. I got to get a box. Not yet. Doesn't uh, PGA and live, weren't they supposed to merge? What I don't know what the latest is on that. Not too they sure. Did, they did. I think they did unofficially or officially merged, but I don't know how. I don't know how okay. that works. Yeah, it's quite confusing. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know the the news first came out. A part of me was excited. 
I do like golf. Um, I'm a decent, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a golf card fan, but I think I would buy a blaster for fun. I think it mm-hmm. would be jokes, but you know, the more I think about it, and at first I didn't know, is it the Panini instance, right? You said, yeah, I didn't know about that. Um, I think overall, now that I'm thinking about it a, a little bit more, it's probably going to be pretty underwhelming, to be honest. There's a, a bunch of notable names missing. And by notable names, I mean one name, Tiger Woods. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, Tiger Woods is really, he's the guy. You know, maybe Rory's second. But Tiger Woods is the guy in terms of collectability in the sports card space. I do think that the Prism brand itself could carry people to want to rip it for fun. You know, uh, it, when it initially launches, I think the Prism, the, the brand Prism alone is still pretty it's still pretty powerful as much as we knock on it and harp on it all we want. Like, look how much better it did versus Topps Chrome UFC. Like the, the people love seeing that prism, you know, sure, WWE yeah. prism versus Topps Chrome prison. I'm sure the prices are wildly different in prism's favor. So the prison brand is still very, very strong. So I think it'll have a decent spark and run when it first comes out. But things like Panini Instant, I think that's going to be super underwhelming. Like who... Who watches live like Hyung? Do you watch live golf? Like I've I've never watched live golf. Just the highlights, yeah. Just yeah. Just high, so I'm like, a highlight guy. You you. I think most even even decent golf fans will barely know what had happened over at, in live golf. So to bring out Panini instant cards, I I think that's gonna be. I I feel like that's gonna be a flop. But the Prism, I think it could be decent. Prism and impeccable, right? Impeccable. Oh, impeccable. And I guess that's where the like jersey, you know, patch autos right. will come out. I'm sure very similar to basketball, right? So, right. yeah, I mean, I'm not obviously don't know how it's going to play out because I'm not a huge golf card collector. I'm not a golf card collector at all. But um, but at the same time, I feel like this is a smart move by Panini, right? Like this is the kind of move that you kind of have to make when your like backs are against the wall at this point. Like what other bigger leagues or notable leagues can we make a deal with? And Live Golf, I think falls under that category so smart play by panini whether it works or not we'll find out but i feel like this is one of those plays that um, they had to make and they got to look for more deals like this especially in come 2020 2025 and 2026 when they lose the nba and nfl license as well so so smart play but uh, whether it's successful that's another question entirely all right um, let's move on now to hobby headlines Okay, so I just came upon this Forbes article, which was actually published in December, so it's a couple months ago, but I thought it was really interesting um, because it was an interview with Ryan Hogue, who is the president of PSA, and I believe he just was recently installed as the president of PSA. So the article headline says how PSA built an industry leader around grading and authentication, end quote. If Will was here, I'm sure he would have a lot to say about PSA. But, um, you know, I, I really want to do this, do this exercise kind of like we did a couple of episodes ago when we talked about that New York Times article featuring Michael Rubin and just kind of going through some of the main quotes from the article. So we'll do the same thing here and then kind of react to it, um, um, you know, what we think about it, if we agree or disagree with, with um, some of the quotes by Ryan Hogue. Okay, so first quote, it says, Several factors have shaped the current stage in the trading card business. The first significant shift occurred with eBay 
entering the scene in the mid to late 90s, enabling buying and selling without physical possession. This opened up new possibilities, but also introduced challenges regarding confidence in transactions. Third-party grading, like PSA, emerged as a valuable addition to the collecting industry, providing assurance about an item's condition and bringing additional liquidity to the hobby. That's a quote from Ryan Hogue. Agree with that statement? Just how everything played out? Absolutely. Like there, there's, there's a definitely a demand for it. Like I would want it authenticated regardless. So, you know, if, uh, if a third party authenticator at the time when, you know, they remember PSA is a fairly young company, I believe 1991. That's right. So for them to see the opportunity and have, uh, that long-term strategy, obviously they couldn't forecast what was going to happen in 2020, but you know, at the end of the day, they've been they've been around for the last thirty plus years, forty years, you know, um, or I guess it would be thirty uh, plus years, and they've been yeah doing the right uh, moves. And you know, Ryan Hogue is one of those um, presidents that is a hobbyist, you know, like yeah. Nat Turner. Yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. I I really uh, respect his input on that because he was there, uh, I believe, for a long time. With PSA, so he's seen it grow. Um, I know, you know, part of it, like investing in kind of like uh, the growth of internal technology, was mm-hmm. something that you know he he always foreseen as like important, but you know they didn't have it at the time. So now that you know the hobby's where it is today, it totally makes total sense that this was the kind of like the growing pains that they kind of went through and. There was yeah. a demand as internet emerged, you know, marketplaces like eBay came up. It mm-hmm. was like an opportunity that they've seen and capitalized on, right? So, yeah, yeah, inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the concept may- totally makes sense. I mean, you know, you guys know the type of collector I was right into sleeve and top loader. I loved <laughs> right. knowing whether mine was mint or not. And then to eventually find out, to hear that there are professionals that grade set products um even in the comic book and vhs or whatever the fact that there's some profession you know will will laugh at the word professional and <laughs> same with young maybe but supposed <laughs> professionals are are determining whether you know a certain item is in a, a certain condition i think that concept was uh was genius especially in the collectible space so uh, to see where they've gotten yeah makes yeah. sense yeah, I mean, it's, it's exactly how he played out. He was answering the question from the reporter and he was just kind of providing context, right? So um, this is exactly how it played out. But for me, it's always strange still, like how it was eBay that kind of became the primary marketplace because eBay didn't start out to be a trading card platform. They're like, right, you know, right. what what's in my basement? I want to sell this, you know, pants that I only wore once. Like, you know, it's just random things. And then, and then for some reason, card collectors, like the, the OGs said like, oh, hey, why don't we just use this thing called eBay to, to sell, buy and sell. And here we are still using eBay primarily. I know there's other marketplaces now, but still eBay is still the dominant marketplace for trading cards, right? So mm-hmm. um, just funny how things played out. And, and I think I just saw on our, our hobby friend, Danny, he, played, he uh, posted something recently about eBay increasing their fees a little bit. Crazy. So another thing to <laughs> think about when you're buying and selling, maybe this will increase competition from other platforms. Um, 
taking advantage of that, but we'll see. Okay, um, here's a second quote from Ryan Hogue. Upon delving into the operations, I saw a company with immense potential for innovation, talking about PSA. The previous 15 years had seen limited technology investment and the team operated with constrained budgets. Do you agree with that in terms of PSA being one of those companies that just kind of no movement for 15 years and then boom? Oh, 100%. You could tell you could tell by their kind of like old labels and where they were and it's what I was saying is in in the 90s it's not it wasn't the company, you know, to like Beckett was BGS was, mm-hmm. you know, big, SGC was, you know, hot on the in the vintage market, so like we're talking a very, very young company at at the time, and yeah, they lacked a lot of resources. It's only, I I guess, more recent that you know they literally blew up. So for yeah. me, it's like they're seeing the fruit of their labor of you know patiently waiting and you know making the right moves at the right time. But and then I would imagine in the '90s they were a small, small company just keeping up with, just getting people's slabs graded and. You know, they're, they're probably operations were the number one concern of just getting them out in a proper fashion, right? right? Exactly. I don't know the story, but I'm curious to know, you know, when BGS came in later on, how hard they stomped on PSA and SGC, who had been around, and how quickly they gained market share. Because BGS was by far the far, you know, the foremost authority in pricing, right? Mm-hmm. To, and to have them come in as a grading company, I'm sure shook things up pretty bad. They when came they in like, in? A, am I wrong? They came in afterwards, right? No, Who's it was that? SGC, SGC yes. first. SGC right. been SGC around the longest, the right? I and think um, uh, I, would, I would think that PS, PSA is the youngest or youngest out of the three. Also, BGS was around before 1984. BGS, sorry, um, that was. Beckett. Beckett, Beckett was uh, eighty four. Uh, PSA is ninety one. Okay, so um, it says they expanded to open Beckett grading services in nineteen ninety nine. So oh, you're you right, John. After right PSA offered the grading service, yeah. So Beckett was around a lot longer with their magazines. We all know that, right? right. But yeah, yeah, in terms right. of the grading services, they came later. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm actually. just, I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, let's look back at ninety nine. I'm, I'm wondering how much of a dent BGS made coming in right off the hop. I'm sure they Anyways. made some. I mean, like for baseball cards, like I, I still, you know, anyone that listens to this podcast, I still prefer BGS created slabs for my Bowman Chrome, you know, mm-hmm. auto, anything autograph cards. I like the metal plate. I think it looks better. I was actually, this is a um, plug for this um, betting podcast I was on recently. I don't think it, the, the episode is on where I was a guest. But the one of the questions they asked me was like, which slabs do you prefer? And uh, I, I was a Beckett loyalist. I still am a Beckett loyalist. <laughs> and I'm like, I know people are not going to like that answer. But, and, you know, I, I also acknowledge that PSA uh, gives you the greatest market value in terms of ROI still, right? But, but in terms of the look of it and, you know, Beckett is still my favorite. But, but yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, we talk about all the time. They might have made a dent initially, but they squandered any other opportunity after that to take over. PSA just kind of took off. So, all right, um, let's go on to the next quote. He says, My initial challenge and source of excitement were rooted in the realization that Nat, Nat Turner, who is the CEO of Collectors, 
which um, PSA is under the umbrella of, that Nat was willing to fund the growth and technology investment needed for innovation. Alongside my CTO counterpart, we grew the product and technology organization from around 30 people in mid-2021 to over 160 people today. This involved rapid hiring, identifying problem areas, and investing resources to bring new innovative solutions to market, end quote. He's talking like a CEO, a president. He's talking like, you know, you know his role. He's doing his role exactly uh, the way he needs to, right? He has to look at it as, you know, where they need to invest and where, like, with businesses, the number one thing with, you know, scalability, if, if you, the sales are the easy part, you know, it's scalability, mm. internal operations, is probably one of the toughest things that you could kind of implement, manage, and make sure that, you know, you're providing the proper leadership within an organization, right? So for me, it's like he's talking like a CEO. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And yeah, everything he says is pretty uh, logical to me, at least like kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, right on. Like it gives me more, you know, um, confidence that, you know, you have someone in the PSA driver's seat that kind of knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, he he's answering like Young said. He's answering it the right way, um, but let's not forget it was <laughs> that period. It was a, a pretty big fiasco for PSA. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. I, th- I don't I don't think they like grew the product from thirty to hundred. They were forced. They're mm-hmm. forced to move as quickly as possible because it was it was it was probably insane. Their warehouse yeah, the sales like, came automatically. Boxes and boxes and boxes yeah. of boxes, unlimited unlimited submissions of cards, right? So they were probably yeah. completely overwhelmed. So I think uh, Nat coming in, providing uh, the funds, you know, the capital investments to to be able to, for them to scale up properly was was probably a lifesaver for PSA. So. Yeah, that's a good point, John. Like, I, I, yeah, they're they're more forced to adapt and and grow quickly. That's for sure. It's it is mind blowing to me when I read this quote that in mid twenty twenty one, which is the hype of the hobby during COVID, there's only thirty people in that, yeah, that product and technology yeah, organization. Can you imagine those thirty people just going out of their minds? It's like, what oh, are we doing? Losing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. So like uh, I'm going to look for another job. That's what I'd probably be thinking about. One of the original 30 people, <laughs> you know, people upset at you. They're like, "When am I going to get my cards back?" Yeah. <laughs> Where's the bottleneck? Oh man, that's hilarious. But yeah, I'm glad they uh, they were they were wise to to this, and uh, now it's 160 people. So, and I'm probably probably still hiring. Okay, um, this is a uh, kind of uh, interesting. Um, so. It was a long uh, paragraph, so I'll just provide you quick context. He's talking about how players are getting involved in terms of promoting the PSA brand and just pr- you know promoting the hobby in general. And uh, he mentions Mike Trout, who's kind of a, essentially a PSA ambassador now, um, as well as Bobby Wood Jr. Same thing, right? So, um, and then you know they're leveraging their celebrity, their social media presence to their benefit. So this is what he says. Quote, with their active presence on social media, athletes share their passions and interests, contributing to the hobby's growing popularity. Moreover, there are many more active collectors among athletes that the public may not be aware of. 
keeping a few names under wraps for now. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, but it's uh, for me. It's um, it's kind of like what we we always talk about. It's like you know everybody's on board with even like the Michael Rubin strategy of getting eyes on it. Right. You know, getting um, the people that you know we have relationships with. It's more than just. You know, oh, we're we're grading cards for Mike Trout or like, you know, it's like, no, they're having involvement. They're doing marketing campaigns, you know, and that's not just PSA. That's like like Fanatics, obviously, you know, is doing it big time with with their marketing department. But yeah, that's the evolution of the technology that we talk about, the basic technology of the Internet. It's a form of communication that, you know, we never had 20 plus years of this high speed where we could sell stuff we could mm-hmm. uh, upload images in a heartbeat high quality images we could load it to instagram we could do all these things on social media this is the whole point of you know staying communicated um and yeah like to them they're playing the game right and uh yeah from my standpoint they're they know exactly what they're doing like they have the right people in place to implement these to maximize their exposure and at the end of the day it's the same thing we said about fanatics it's like when you don't necessarily have to always monetize off your direct marketing campaigns mm, right there's more value in brand recognition if millions and millions of people see your brand and it goes hand in hand with the way they're converting in terms of their revenue uh and sales right so yeah yeah i think um it's 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 almost fun looking at it, watching it from I guess my point of view because you know me personally I I'm I run a business and you know we we talk about scaling we talk about you know right. uh, marketplaces we talk about all these things that we could draw parallels to so you know I see it uh, very um, I guess transparently um, mm-hmm. at this point but yeah I think they're doing a, a fabulous job yeah good points. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to to play devil's ad- advocate here, and I'm I'm trying to pick apart <laughs> the article as best I can. I mean, you know, I'll I'll try to do a favor for Will because I'm sure Will is going to be listening to this and just going to be shaking his hands. Um, you know, PSA. I feel like PSA is similar to Tops and the rest of the industry, where they just didn't spend any money on marketing and any of this stuff. And they just kind of fell ass backwards into this giant success. Um, and I think with the emergence of, you know, SGC really pushing hard um, and some new players because CGC coming in, BGS, not so much, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it's really making PSA forcing their hand, even though PSA now in terms of value and uh, brand value, they're just, they're killing it. Like they're just, and, and, you know, not not giving them all the credit in the world. I, I do feel like their brand value kind of, they almost fell a little ass backwards into their brand, brand value. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think they should just sit idly by and just, you know, um, take the lazy route and let other competitors catch up. So I think they do need to innovate. They need to continue poor uh, marketing and all that stuff to make sure that they stay on top, right? It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, you know, when we were younger, when Honda Civics were all the rage, like Honda was was huge <laughs> 10, years ago, right? Yeah, and you and, had one, remember, Johnny? Oh yeah, oh yeah, good good times. But you walk into a Honda dealership, right? Like if you at that time you walk into a Hyundai dealership, and a, like Hyundai is big now, it's gotten big. Right. But back in the day, they were small. They're small, and you walk yeah. into a dealership, and the moment you walk into Hyundai, it's 
there's like 10 people all over you. Hey, how's it going? Like, you want a coffee? They're trying their best <laughs> right. to, to lure you in. Whereas Honda, I remember walking in and I don't think anybody talked to me for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and they just had this like arrogance about it because they knew. Like I walked in, I'm buying a Honda. Like they didn't have to. Still buy a Civic. To, they, didn't, they didn't have to try, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's where PSA sat for the last two, three years. They don't have to try and they're just making sales, right? So... Uh, I'm hoping that this added level of competition and all of this stuff uh, really forces that at hand to really innovate, you know, like really, um, because they still have a lot to change. I think there's a lot of people that still have huge complaints about their customer service. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you read forums, even lately, it's any issue with PSA. It's like, well, you you know, you you try to talk to them and they go, well, it's kind of like a too bad, (laughs) so sad. You know, most of the answers to customer service was, Oh, you got this or you got that. Or, you know, Will's like, oh, I got mislabeled cars. It's kind of like a too bad, so so, so sad, right? So yeah. uh, I think all of this competition stuff is really, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, for the betterment of the card community and all of that stuff, I think it'll push PSA to become a better company overall um, yeah. for everybody. So, yeah. It's a good point. Like, you know, tying back to the initial quote about getting athletes to be their ambassadors, it, it doesn't really matter if your service is horrible at the end of the day. And right. then, and then you know, if it, if, it, if it stays in a place where, you know, the, the regular customers are pissed off, you know, do you envision Mike Trout and Bobby Woods still being with PSA? They don't want to be associated with a bad brand at the end of the day. So hopefully you're right, John, like that PSA has learned lessons from the past. Um, but going back to what, you know, what they're doing now in terms of marketing strategy, it's such a no brainer to leverage the millions of followers that some of these athletes have. Uh, you know, for me, it's like they should have done it way sooner, right? And, hey, sooner. and now, yeah, yeah, now they're just getting around to it. So it'll be interesting. You know, he kind of teased, he's keeping a few names under wraps for now. So it'll be interesting to see who else they have on board in terms of being a brand ambassador for for PSA. Um, and uh, yeah, it does remind me of the Tops f- slash Fanatics uh, playbook in terms of how they're marketing things, right? Like um, off-air, Hyung, I was talking to you about Top Spot. You know, I think it's their second year that um, Fanatics slash Tops has created a, a place where guys that are in the Cactus League right now in spring training they could just come to this mansion. It's, just, it's essentially a mansion with like a pool and the lounge area and all these MLB players are just, they just go there and and then they can sign cards there. And um, for every player, I, I was reading further into it, for every player, there's a tops representative that's there to witness autographs. So just kind of killing two birds with one stone, you know? And then, and then you know, once they're signed, once they're finished signing, they could go, get a cocktail they could do whatever they want play mini golf i think it's on in on on site as well and um and then they create content as well while they're there it just makes total sense for them to do that so you know just leveraging athletes um to promote their brand no brainer okay last quote from this article and this is uh ryan hogue again he says the key is to focus on the core essence of collecting fun at PSA, we've introduced initiatives like our set registry, providing a platform for collectors to compete, build, and connect. This not only fosters a sense of community, but also adds an enjoyable dimension beyond the speculative nature of the market. End quote. So, say, so can you rephrase that? I, I, 
what uh, what is he talking about there? <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll, I'll provide a little more context. Okay. I think the reporter was suggesting that it's got to be more than just like um, providing market value, like the, for right. the cards, right? It's got to be you know you got to keep the collectors entertained. It's got to be about fun in terms of collecting cards and then right. he talks about the set registry and things like that uh, beyond quote the speculative nature of the market which is you know a lot of investor types do right they 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 submit it to PSA because they want maximum return on val- you yeah. know on their investment yeah i think i think um stuff like you know the scanning images now uh within their database like right. little stuff improvements like that will definitely you know, it's definitely in the right direction, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the the registry. To be honest, every mm-hmm. time, and I always do it through certification, like PSE certification, rather than looking up for through their PSE pop report, for instance. Right. Like it, it seems like a very outdated system in terms of you know how um, you have to find. Like I was, I was on the PSA pop. Uh, report, report today yeah. uh, on 2019 tops just a set i want to see how many cards like you know soto's rookie cup was graded in terms of the numbered cards and it took me forever to find the yeah, like the it's not good. like pages and pages search tw- and pages. yeah and then it's like i would have to search tops again and then it would have to <laughs> you yeah. know like it's just um i think they have a lot of improvement there and it's kind of like using what 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 they built off of? I I would imagine building that big of a database is so much information. So it's like they never really innovated on that end. So I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. room for growth in terms of that user experience. I like the PSA like certification number. You you pop it in there and then you get the image of the card. You know exactly. You know, That's cool, yeah. um, right there. So like stuff like that is good in the right direction. But yeah, I don't I don't think they could be too innovative with stuff like that uh, i guess if they just focus on you know creating great marketing but then also on the flip side provide you know that good user experience where you know mm-hmm. they keep on investing in you know um the the customer user experience yeah um that answer about set registry i know you, i think the question you're i'm trying to remember clark it, it was <clears throat> around community and 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 you know, having going fun. beyond just grading. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and having fun. Uh, you know, I, you know who uses set registry? Like that's so <laughs> it's so so old. I think pre-COVID, you know, two, early two thousands, mid mid two thousands, uh, when not you know hundreds of thousands of cards were being graded. I think a lot of, I think there were a lot of people that used set registry because you were collecting PSA cards. And it was nice. I think the set registry has a way of like, you can look up other set registered people that might, might have cards that you need. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can contact them. I don't know. How, I don't, I've never, I have it. I've tried it, but I've, I've, uh, ever since I first got it originally, I stopped using it because I think the the new age of collecting, there's just, everybody's almost a hybrid collector at this point, right? Everybody's investing, collecting, flipping really quickly. There's no time to, I'm pretty sure set registry, like nobody, uses set register anymore except for people who used it back in the day right so right the the answer was kind of you know it really it, it kind of exposes psa like you guys pr- pretty much the answer is you guys haven't done anything <laughs> like said <laughs> registry come on like that's not that's not a real answer so i think that 
And I, I'm not I'm not faulting them. I'm not trying to really hammer them because listen, they had 30 employees grading 100,000 cards per day. Like they had no time to do marketing. They had no time to think about the community. They had no time for nothing. Yeah. But now they have resources. They have people. They have the time. So I think now that is where they start to step up in these sorts of areas where they are exposed. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. I, you know, my thoughts are more general than than what you guys mentioned. I think, I think PSA is really just going to be about flipping. <laughs> you know, like it it delivers the greatest ROI. I think the majority of people that submit to PSA, you know, um, I'm sure there's going to be there's going to be a few that like the PSA slab and they don't care what the grade is. But for the most part, people want a ten or a nine so that they could they could sell, right? Yes. Because if I want it for the PC, I'm going to go with SGC or like a grading company that is just cheaper. Like until PSA, if they want really want to make collecting fun and they want their slabs to be involved in this, you know creating a fun experience for collectors. They got to lower their prices a lot. Clark, I will I will say this. I know you're a BGS fan. Yeah. But PSA slabs, the card looks way better. Just in general. <laughs> just in general. I'm just going to oh, throw that out. Man. And my proof is I cracked the Max Verstappen BGS 8.5. Yeah. And it just didn't – it, it, it was – it didn't do the card justice, especially when I cracked it. I was like, wow, mm. this raw, I want to keep it raw. I put right. in a PSA slab and boom, it was like like a halo just <laughs> appeared on top of that card, right? So for me, I'm just saying, just throw it out there. I know you're a BGS okay. fan. Right. I think it's the BGS some sleeve. People, I think it's the penny sleeve that's inside yeah, the BGS. It's it, it, it creates like an extra layer of haze on the card. Yeah, yeah. I think paper looks okay. Chrome cards just... Don't do do it justice. Mm. Just throwing it out there. So I, <laughs> 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 Clark's flustered. Uh, I got it. I got to take a break, guys. Hold on. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. If you if you really prefer the look of the PSA, then then sure. But I still think most people do it to flip or try to get some kind of maximum value out of it. Um, because if you really want to get if you really want to go there, like I think the CG C slabs are like I hear they're better, or Probably even tag grading, right? Like I would love to go tag grading if I want PC. Like it looks amazing. Right. But it's it's kind of like marketing though. I I believe that's why PSA wins. It's not necessarily a flip. It's just the consciousness of every like for me. I'm just like it looks right in a PSA slab, and then it's just like that's their, my conscious decision right away and that's where i i feel like that's where the programming marketing kind of comes into play where psa does a far better job like it's kind of like like uh you wear uh the sneakers or whatever that is in style but then in reality it's like man why am i wearing these these are ugly like they're not but then you just follow the trend that kind of like pops right so i feel like that there's a part of that too where you know, um, people don't know why they're rocking PSA, but they just do, right? Like, it's Bro, just a known right. thing to do. 100%. Brand power. PSA has built dominance, right? That's that's the power of marketing and uh, the power of branding, right? You know, like, if, if you love a pair of, you know, going back to sneakers or clothing, you love uh, the look of a certain sneaker, objectively, you're like, man, those look hot. And then there are a pair of Reeboks for 50 bucks. 
Mm-hmm. You're still gonna buy the less. You're gonna buy the uglier one that happens to be Nike because it's Nike. Like you're just gonna buy it. You're not gonna buy the one you objectively like better because it's Reebok. Like that's just that's how branding works. Like you just we're we're drawn to the power of that brand. And PSA number one, like Clark said, we we're drawn to it because it's gonna return the best ROI. But at this point, because I think the ROI and card prices and all of that is so great. That in our in, innately in our brain, it's already built in. Like, ooh, PSA, PSA is the best. It's it's the one. Even now for my PC, I want I want PSA. Even, yeah. Even though objectively, I you know for me personally, I think tag grading looks the best objectively. Um, but yeah, I'm still gonna for now choose PSA. It's just like yeah, we just did a it's, PSA it's, submission. It's, I just sent another exactly. twelve cards there. Yeah, so exactly. like, God damn it. Yeah, I, I added six to that pile too. So I. <laughs> I totally agree with you guys. It has to be the power of the brand because there is no other explanation why people would like, you know, the the PSA label, which is just a white piece of paper with a the boring red border over a nice modern metal sleek label. Okay, of Beckett. Okay, I don't get, you know, why that is other than the power of the brand. It has to be that. <laughs> Oh man, it's like you know, I, I got the iPhone 15. Oh, the it looks amazing. But you guys prefer like that iPhone SE, the plastic colored backs. You know, like <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I was thinking more along the lines of you know PSA. You rock like a like a like a more modern like hoodie, and then BGS. It's like you're you're. You, like everybody's rocking like modern stuff. BGS, you're showing in like knight's armor or something like. It's like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh man, no, I don't. I don't, I don't like that comparison. <laughs> but all right, <laughs> um, let's move on. That was, that was the end of the article. But um, yeah, no denying PSA still way ahead of all the all the other grading companies. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how. BGS and SGC and CGC will will try to compete with them um, as we as the hobby continues to grow. All right, let's go on to our next segment, and it's called Over Under. All right, we haven't done this in a while, but um, this is when I list a few cards, and I'll give you a dollar amount, and you say whether the last sold price was over or under that amount. Okay, and the theme for this segment is. Again, 2024 top series one because it's a big thing that's out right now. So um, I'm going to give you some of the hits, like the hit cards from 2024 top series one that recently sold. Okay, so first one, the 2024 top series one team color border variation. So we talked about the team color, right, with the logos around of Ellie de la Cruz. It's all red, reds, obviously. Um, It is an SSP. Raw. These are all raw. None of them are really graded yet. 500 bucks over or under last sold for that. Team Wait. color border variation of Ellie Delight Cruz. So the border, the team borders are SSPs? I believe they are, yeah. Oh, okay. They're, yeah, they're, I, I don't know if they're SSP. There's or maybe some, an SP? What, be, yeah, S, but I think they might be a little more rare than SP. Okay. okay. Who knows? I, la- I think last week Will was mentioning he was hoping that they were that they would make them SPs or something, so... I guess they are, but they're not numbered. Cool. They're not numbered, but yeah, they're not oh, numbered. But I think, I think oh, yeah, I think he was saying they should have been. Num- they should have been yeah. numbered. 
Man, um, I would say on release, it would have been more expensive, but I'm saying, man, that's probably where I thought it was. But that's the last I want to say right? it's. I want to say it's over. Okay. Me too. It's only been two weeks, I think. Yeah, I think that's definitely over. But I think somebody really overpaid on the first week, probably, and the second week. Yeah, it's kind of a trick question because yesterday it sold for five fifty. It's over, okay. or sorry, February nineteenth. But the day after, it sold for four fifty. So oh, it is okay. it is under last sold February twentieth for four hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, so that's what you're looking at for. It's a nice looking card, actually. It kind of pops, especially with the red border. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, card number two. You're going to hear a lot of Ellie de la Cruz because he's the, he's obviously the chase in this top series one. Uh, 2024 top series one, Ellie de la Cruz rookie golden mirror variation SSP. The one where I think, you know, he's wearing a helmet. It is the golden gold back golden mirror variation, which we talked about before. And the number I'm giving you is 750. 750. That seems kind of expensive. So I would, I would put. I would put team variation at probably double that print count. Mm-hmm. So seven fifty. I'm gonna say higher. It's, it's as crazy as that sounds. Higher than seven fifty. Okay. Yeah. If if the team variation sold for five hundred, the SSP gold mirror I think should go for more than that. Not saying these are justified prices. These are obviously inflated. Yes, right. Right release prices but i'm gonna say the inflated release price is gonna be over 750. you're both correct 815. wow sold february 19th yeah it'll come down but it did yeah. sell for it'll 815 dollars yeah all right oh this one i think this one's a good one um 2024 top series one anthony volpe platinum autograph one of one right so it's platinum which looks gray more like but it is, uh, and it is the 35th anniversary. So it's, I guess, the 1989 look, but it's a platinum one of one card. Thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. Platinum 101? That seems a little low. Um, Autograph. On card. Not that it matters. 80, is, it on, is it on card? It is on card, yes. I'm going to say. That seems like a good buy. <laughs> Seems like a decent buy. I'm gonna say it is an insert auto, so I, right. I get it. But like, and in platinum, like nobody likes platinum. <laughs> um, it's not the real. It's flat. We should call it flat gray one of one. That's so true. Um, platinum. Let's say <laughs> platinum. <laughs> yes, that's a good uh, one. I'm gonna say it had to sell above a thousand bucks. Okay, I agree. I'm going up above. You're going above for this beautiful card right here. That's sick. Sick card. And just showing on the screen for the guys. It actually sold for $750. Ooh. Wow. It's a deal. A golden yeah. mirror or uh, Anthony Volpe 101. Like, <laughs> yeah, crazy. crazy. That's just goes hobby to show logic. you. Hobby logic. That's a perfect case of hobby logic. Okay, three more. 2024 Top Series 1. There's the Heavy Lumber series, right? It has that wood grain look. And then there's a Bat Relic autograph of Aaron Judge. All right? So, 750 
I'm all about people overpaying these days, <laughs> <laughs> or just in general, the last three years. So I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say it's it, it's more. What, what do we say? Seven fifty? Yeah, I I would say more. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have Wait, no idea. What what what? Are these are numbered, right? Um, are are these numbered? I don't know if the bat relic is numbered, but it is obviously limited because it's autograph card. Yeah, what I would hang on, let me uh, see. Oh, what, so it's a the... it's a piece of game used bat and on card auto both. Yeah, yes. I believe. Really okay, I'll show you on the like... screen. Yeah, can you show game me? used bat top certified autograph issue? So the autograph is right on the bat relic. I see. And the rest of the card looks like it's uh, on a wood grain. I'm not a huge fan of that card, to be honest. Well, but it is a that, ugly, that looks like actually. a white. That looks like a white bat. Why is it? Why is the relic <laughs> well, it's white? a it's a relic. Yeah, it's probably the inside. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say somebody overpaid for that. Okay. Really overpaid. Hmm. Seven fifty, you said. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say under. I don't know if how hot bat relics are. I'm. I think it's still. Yeah. I don't think people are gonna be all over these bat relics yet, or maybe ever. I'm gonna say under. Okay. The answer is under five fifty four. Someone paid five hundred fifty four for it. Yeah. So there you go. One other point for Johnny. All right. Second one. Second last one. Sorry. Twenty twenty four top series one. Shohei Otani. The Superstar Blueprint, you know, the Blueprint inserts, autograph card, numbered to 10. All right? Whoa. A thousand is, bucks. Is is that the card that you got? But that you got the, the non, non-auto one. The non-auto, which is worth $4. Yeah, that's the one I got. <laughs> okay. I think I'm getting this game. It's like two checks of hype. Yeah. That has to be over. <laughs> it's over. Like, like, I mean, I mean, like, somebody overpaid for it. Mm. Everybody overpaid. Thousand bucks. Let me see if I can put it up. Uh, Shohei Otani, like, auto is, you know, pretty sought after, number to 10. It's a nice looking card, too. Yeah. Insert. I like it. Sticker auto. Oh, sticker sticker auto. Oh, sticker auto. But it's it's nicely positioned. They they almost created a spot for the sticker. You know what I mean? Oh, in the bottom that, right corner. That's an that's for Shohei's standard. That's a pretty ugly auto. I'm gonna say under. The auto looks ugly, and it's sticker. <laughs> okay. So Hyung says over. John says under. The it last sold for one thousand one hundred fifty. So oh, <laughs> oh damn. You know what I what I don't get about these superstar blueprint? Like it's numbered to ten, so there are different parallels. But they all look the same. Like they I don't know how you. It's the worst. How do you differentiate think, the parallels other I, than the you numbers? Know what? I hate that about tops. Like <laughs> they do that with Stadium Club. Like mm. I seen an Otani Stadium Club auto, right? And yeah, somebody's yeah, asking right. like a pretty high amount, and then the foil out of all things are the only difference, and it's a different number. And you're <laughs> yeah. just like, it looks like the same thing as the base. Like why mm. would I spend, you know, so 100% much more? Hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. They got to do something. But anyways. <laughs> All right, last one. We're going back to Ellie De La Cruz. His 2024 Top Series 1, 1989, another insert card, Red Parallel Rookie Card Auto, number to 25. Okay? 2000. Jeez. 2000, a red, 1989. 
Yeah. And then the Volpe one of one sold for seven. <laughs> I gotta say it's under. Uh, this is the the best hobby logic. If this is over, <laughs> this, I gotta this, say under. This has to be under. Because if it's over, that that's some sort of idiot that. <laughs> that hey, 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 he might be listening to this podcast. Okay, <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah, that was uh, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? The number two thousand, right? Two thousand. Two grand. That's crazy. I'm leaving. The, the correct answer is under. It's fifteen hundred. Okay. Okay. It's only fifteen hundred for it. Wow, Holy that's still cow! A lot. Still a lot. Still, yeah. still a lot. I'd rather have the Volpe one hundred one. For seven fifty, me for too. Sure. Me too. This is a color match. Come on, it you know how I'm a sucker match. for it's color nice. match. On card auto, on card yeah, auto. Nice. Yep. Fifteen hundred dollars. Nice action shot. You have him running the bases. Looks somewhat, somewhat centered. Mm-hmm. It's a good looks card. like it's yeah, good condition too. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's it's the red. Those reds are numbered out of twenty five. That that always bugged me. That's true. Like for as me, well. it's like I wish it was at a five. Oh. Then it could kind of make more sense, but. Yeah. The reds out of twenty five, just not a fan of it. Yeah, I hate when they're <laughs> I hate when they're inconsistent like that across products. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, well that's uh, the segment. That's another round of over under. We'll do it again uh, in a future episode. Okay, let's end off our episode with our weekly regular segment we call Pick One, and this is when each of us we choose two cards or two players, and then we debate which one we would rather invest in. All right, Hyung, I know you're looking for one before the show. Did you find one? I, I did. I did. I, I did Sweet. get one. Okay. Um. So, so basically, uh, the two hot players in 2024, uh, right now, mm-hmm. is kind of like Otani and Soto, new <laughs> okay. teams, right? So we're gonna go rookie cards though. Um. Now that price is kind of like Soto's market was soft. It's picking up a lot this spring, obviously with the New York hype. Yep. And Shohei, it's just Shohei. Mm-hmm. Shohei's market's always crazy. But would you rather have? Um, we're gonna go with uh, for Shohei Otani, twenty eighteen Bowman Chrome Blue Refractor PSA nine. Okay. Say that again. And a Bowman Chrome. Yeah. The batting Blue Refractor. Mm-hmm. PSA nine. Okay. No, no, no. Just okay. blue refractor. No, just the blue ra- refractor, PSA 9. Yeah. I don't have the price, but it was uh, 3500 or best offer, but it was sold February 15. So we could 130 point that quick too. Um, but I'm going to pair that up with a 2018 Tops Update Juan Soto Black, number 267, a PSA 9. For thirty two hundred, so let's just say it's thirty two hundred across the board for both cards. Are you going to go with the Juan Soto Tops Update Black number to sixty seven PSA nine, or Shohei Otani Bowman Chrome Blue Refractor to one fifty PSA nine? Oh, Blue Refractor is number to one fifty. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. it's number okay. to one one fifty. Okay, okay. In the Bowman Chrome batting image. Go ahead, Johnny. <laughs> I I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the I, what I think is the collector's choice, and I have to say the Juan Soto. Mm. The the paper black sixty seven. I you know maybe not as any as much anymore, 
but from 2018 2019 that was like a revered paper parallel 67 right uh with mm-hmm. with the uh, independence day so uh for one soto collectors and there's still a lot of old school you know not you know a lot of the new, newer kids that are you know getting into it now they're probably not looking at Juan Soto, but a lot of the people who collected Juan Soto from the beginning, similar like Acuna collectors who held onto their cards, I think the '67 is still s- such a mon- monstrously like you know grail card for many people in terms of uh, Juan Soto cards, and in the Bowman Chrome on the flip side for Shohei. I don't think it's on the, the the higher end of the list as much as the Black sixty seven. So I think the collector's choice is going to be the you know maybe not the player, but yeah, Juan Soto sixty seven probably not as hyped as Shohei. So I'm sure the pricing uh, potential might have a bit more. So yeah, Juan Soto for me. Yeah, so it's it's thirty two hundred for the black and then three thousand for the blue of the Bowman Chrome. Three thousand. So okay. that would be your buy in price. Good, good comparison. Hmm. Oh, that's man. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's so hard to go against Shohei <laughs> for anything these days. <laughs> you can't blame you. <laughs> just, you know, the like shininess is just like luring him. It's I like can't, the I can't avert my eyes. Rings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, even though it's a higher number, and you know, um, uh. You, you you would think it's just going to go down at some point, but Shohei's been bucking the trend over the last two seasons now, you know. And and I'm you know I have a bunch of Shohei watch on my watch list, and I can't pull the trigger because they're all going over than you know what I'm hoping that it would drop to, you know what I mean? And, and so I think I think we're going to continue to see that trend. To tell you the truth, even even as he you know is not going to pitch this season, but I think the hype of playing for the Dodgers and you know, totally. to continue to mash. Um, I, I'm, I'm, hundred percent way more bullish on Shohei. And then you know, Juan Soto is going to have his inevitable slow start, <laughs> and so I'll wait for, uh, you know, to pick his card up in May, June, <laughs> when right before he starts picking it up again in the summer. Shohei for me. That's a that's a good point. Like guys, Juan Slo- Juan Soto is a very slow starter. I'm just Every saying year. his Every cards <laughs> would be bonkers if he was a hot starter because by the time he heats up, the hype in baseball just dies down to the point where his cards just sit yeah. sideways. Right? Padres already so, eliminated from the playoffs. Like it's all meaningless yeah, at that. Like, uh, yeah. Well, that's like Shohei too, but um, right. yeah, Shohei's like a unicorn, right? Protect that man at all costs. Um, <laughs> No, but I, I'm actually siding with John on this one. Like, Soto Black mm. is like, like for me, I remember when, uh, even in 2018, 2019, like, that was, that was a very sought after card. Huge. Stuff. Like, huge. you can't, you can't find, you don't even see them. Like, you don't see Acuna Black surfacing. Obviously, now that the marketplace is so much more volatile, you'll see them more on eBay because people, you know, are trying to trade them away, but, Back then when there wasn't an active marketplace for these high, high-end cards where, you know, you, you probably didn't see any sold for the only deals were private, right? Because you had collectors selling to other collectors that were after those cards, right? So, and I just love, like, I think Black out of 67 has a rich history because Trout sales have uh, previously, you know, set that standard of, there, there are legs in tops updates still, 
Um, and uh, I remember Juan Soto's Platinum uh, did sell for, I think it was $42,000. Mm-hmm. So I think there's uh, a lot of legs in black. That's probably one of the most sought after parallels uh, in paper. Uh, I would even put it above Independence Day for just in terms of classic mm-hmm. that holds value. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, clear acetate is kind of like like really rare, but again, it's it's. I would say black is even highly more desired than a clear acetate or a camo. Father's mm-hmm. Day, Mother's Day, like black is the best, one of the best parallels, paper parallels. Twenty eighteen so black for, is. Twenty eighteen black, yeah, exactly. Twenty eighteen in general, their their color parallels were unreal. Yeah, and that's a good point. it yeah, that that Juan Soto black does stand out. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go uh the black Soto as well for three three thousand. All right, Soto wins. There you go. Good one. John Yellen. Yeah. So we're going to you know, I'm obviously gonna pick hockey. And we're going to go the two most hyped players this season. One is our hometown boy, Austin Matthews. His Future Watch Auto PSA 10 recently at auction sold for 6300 USD. Um, he's at sitting at 51 goals in, I don't know, 53 games or 54 games. Um, yep. You know, on pace for they say on pace for seventy five. I don't think anybody really believes he's get the, gonna get there. But yeah, I don't know. Could he break seventy? That'd be crazy. Um, this was a card a month ago that you could have got at auction for forty three hundred. So it's got, it shot up obviously big Damn. time. And I'm gonna pair that up with a future card that's not out yet. You guys obviously know where I'm about to go. Connor Bedard, Future Watch Auto. Uh, not graded so i know roy in our chat group he had mentions that he saw people and i could be completely wrong i apologize roy if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure i heard roy said said people were thinking it's going to be about five to seven grand raw the bedard future watch auto as it comes out so assuming it's out now and you can get your hands on one of the two austin matthews psa 10 future watch auto Six grand versus Connor Bedard raw, and you you know you don't have to. We can say like came out of a pack right now, like you know, right. probably has a decent shot at uh, getting a. And good the Austin grade. Matthews is a PSA ten. It's a PSA ten. So Go let's ahead. say both. Let's say both are six grand. Sure. Easy, Austin Matthews. I'm not saying it because I'm a Maple Leafs fan, but. The I think the goal scoring pace is is legit. That hype could drive value, right? And um, uh, and and but even more than that, the five thousand to six. If that's the estimated price tag for Connor Bedard raw future watch SP Authentic, it's just super overvalued. Like I don't want to buy that card when it first comes out. You know, like I was just looking at uh, Connor McDavid. You know his. His card is not much more than that graded for a future watch, SP Authentic. Do I think Bedard is better than McDavid? No, I don't, right? So I think it's all hype on Bedard. You know, obviously people are paying for the, the potential and the hype right now. Uh, I'm not I'm not one of those guys. So I'm, I'm going Austin Matthews all the way. And it's a PSA 10. That's an extra bonus as well. So, yeah. I'm going to agree with Clark. Um, I, I think... You look at Ovechkin, 
type players, McDavid, their future watch auto PSA tens, you know, 15 grand, probably more at peak, uh, when the hype was there. So for me, Austin Matthews at 6k, honestly, that's not a bad long-term investment in my opinion. Like, especially at the rate he's going, he's, it's kind of ridiculous. Like this is yeah, kind of generational. Like, like he's ahead of Ovechkin in terms of his pace. So for me, it's mind blowing at what we're seeing, you know? Um, and you know, Connor Bedard, I believe he is a generational talent too, but you know, again, he's young, he still has to perform, you know, and there's a lot of work to do. And, Initially, it's overhyped. I think uh, like five thousand for a raw is like pretty pretty aggressive for um, uh, Connor Bedard uh, because, like I said, I'm seeing even the if I purchase that Austin Matthews, I think if he does continues this pace at the right time, that is a fifteen thousand dollar card. So for me, it's like there. I know that that PSA ten can grow because. As as long as Austin Matthews keeps doing what he's doing, like that, and I believe he will. That's why it's not like I don't believe in Austin. It's like this guy's generational, man. This guy's doing it like pretty ridiculous what he's doing this year. So I'm gonna go Austin Matthews. Man, I thought I could get you guys. <laughs> could not. Um, <laughs> you know what? For the the thing with Bedard is. In, in the hockey market right now, everybody wants him. Like, everybody wants Connor Bedard. You know the SSP? The, I don't even know if it's SP. The, the SP. The SP, PSA. The draft race. Crazy. Like, I, honestly, I thought that card was going to drop to like 100. It's still staying so strong. And that just shows. Because the PSA 10s are super rare. Rare. Yeah. Right. PSA 10, yeah. right, right. The gem rate on those are like brutal. The gem rates are brutal. <clears throat> yeah. But that card, even raw, it's, it's still, still healthy. Yeah. So healthy, and I, I, that just shows how many people <laughs> are just all over Bedard. Like they, you know, I don't. I said before, I don't. Re- I don't see him on generational level like McDavid. But there are many hockey fans that do, and that's the thing about the Future Watch card. I think it's it's just not as uh, easy as I thought. Like I mean, I'm gonna take the conservative answer. <laughs> And, and, and try to be the smart one here like you guys picked. I think Austin Matthews, as hyped as it is, uh, it has gained 2000 two grand in value over the last month. Um, but if he's got a shot at 70, I think that could grow even further in this single season. So I don't know. It's, it's still hard because I just, I don't know. I think the Conor Bedard cards can go bonkers because just so, so many people want it and there's just not going to be enough of them to go around. So mm-hmm. I'm still picking Austin Matthews, but... I don't know. <laughs> I think Bedard is just one of these ones because it's not like the Wemby. There's not a ton of Bedard card options out there versus the Wemby, right? Mm-hmm. So every you know hockey hockey collector is going to go after singular cards of Bedard. So I don't know. Might regret it, but it's a sweep for Austin Matthews. <laughs> I thought he was like, eh, I'm going to go with Bedard. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic John line. <laughs> After all that. Oh, man. All right. This is going to be anticlimactic. <laughs> I, I should go first next time because the first, you know, I was going to do a Soto versus Shohei. And then I'm like, damn, Young Tuck Shohei. Oh, Soto sorry, versus Shohei. Man. <laughs> and, then, and then I got a Bedard one next. I'm like, oh, what the heck? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, so while you're, while you're explaining your choice, I'm like desperately looking for my 
third option, but I can't find one. So I, you know what? Whatever. It's a Bedard special, okay? Pick let's one Bedard it. special. Let's yeah, do it. that's great. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so the SP where he's doing the number one draft pick, yeah. like like we were just talking about this PSA ten sold for about five k. So holy, uh, and, I, and I did an IG reel on it. So when it first came out, it went as high as twelve k. So um, and then there was a few ten k sales. So and this is all within like two and a half months. So it's come down 50% to 5K, which is still a lot, like exactly like we were talking about. So you're going to get that card or the Ovechkin Young Guns PSA 10, which was 5K, but it's dropped down to about 4K now for last sold in February, right? So I, I don't know if it's because, you know, um, I also did a, a IG reel on Ovechkin uh, a week ago because uh, I, you know, I... I looked at his numbers. It looks like on his pace, because he's having a down season in terms of goals, it looks like he has to play three more seasons to reach Gretzky, right? If you're keeping this year's pace, right? So, you know, we we're talking about before seasons, like, oh, two more seasons, he's got it. It looks like unless he, he turns it up, it's going to take three more years when he's 41 years old. So maybe that's why it's dampering his young guns value. But 4K, let's say, for Ovechkin's young guns, PSE 10, which has a pop, count of about 1200 versus bedard's sp upper deck where he's holding the puck with the number one sign psa 10 going for 5k i'm not sure what the what the pop count is on that here let me just let me just quickly i want to that's going to be my decision maker let me just check (laughs) the the pop count count bedard's um bedard's young guns is not out yet right it's coming soon no it's uh yeah it's not out yet so this series two so i'm I have to assume so. Yeah. Twenty-four. The pop count for PSA ten is twenty-four. Yeah, I'm going with Connor Bedard. Like that's exactly <laughs> what I thought. No, Ooh. no, because for me it's like uh, at the end of the day, Vetchkin is a base, uh, young guns, mm-hmm. and as we had this conversation, you know, a lot of times it's like we were buying young guns too. I've had a McDavid young guns. I right. remember it going from two thousand to three thousand to five thousand to six thousand back to four thousand. And it's just like, man, I, I see that same thing happening. Ovechkin, we experienced it last year uh, when, you know, he was scoring all those goals. There was a big Ovechkin boom. So for me, um, I think there's going to be other times where you could buy Ovechkin when price is correct because the pop count's so high. But pop 24, first card, it looks like there's not too many more surfacing in terms of they're just pumping these out on you know the PSA 10 oven so it's like yeah I'm gonna go Connor Bedard just based on the pop count and like I said if if you know the right marriage of timing and you know supply demand I think you'll really win with the the Bedard over the Vetchkin. okay and uh just a couple more data points at its peak the Ovechkin Young Guns PSA 10 sold for just over 8k and like I mentioned the Bedard two and a half months ago sold for 12k at its peak. Oh man. <clears throat> uh the the hmm. So the Bedard is kind of a funny card because you know once the Young Guns comes out and then the SP Authentic comes out, I think it's gonna go to third in terms of I mean, traditionally it should go to third in terms of chase, right? 
it's SP Authentic first, Young Gun second, and then whatever third. This is technically the first Bedard upper deck card. So it's the first. Happens to be an SP. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be very poor, poorly packaged or, you know, poor quality coming out of fresh packs. So I don't know how many PSA 9s there are. I think there are pretty decent. 262. Right. So it's pretty short printed regardless. Regardless, it's, like it's, a, it's more short printed. So It's super short printed, I would say. I would consider yeah. it super short printed, yeah. Total population right now is about 574, it says on Card Ladder. Yeah. So that's a lot. Pop 24, that's a really low gem that's, rate. That's insane. So this card, you know, if, if this was like a Young Guns and it eventually had a PSA um, 10 pop, pop of like 750 to 1500. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those volatile cards I think that could go drop big time. The saving grace is the fact that there's no PSA 10s around. And I'm sure the people that have them right now are the are holding them forever. Um, and then on the other side, you got Ovechkin. Oh, man, it's hard because the Ovechkin at four grand. I don't really see that coming down. So if you're going to be the, do the safe play and then Ovechkin going to beat the Gretzky record, yada, yada, yada. I, I can see such great arguments about the Ovechkin. But I don't know, man. I think young guns are might be a hot take, but I think young guns are overrated. I'll buy a lot because I can't Not believe. A hot take, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, like maybe in the hockey world, it's a bit hot, hot take, and there's a lot of young gun fans that are screaming at the, you know, at yeah. the, the the recording right now. But you know, young guns is a it's kind of like a base card. I I can't believe like a PSA ten of any anybody young guns is going for like thousands of dollars. That seems a bit absurd for me. But uh, long winded answer. I'm still kind of undecided. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna. Uh, I I was actually gonna pick Ovechkin, but I'm gonna change my mind. I'm gonna roll the dice with Young. That that pop count is kind of juicy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say the. Uh, 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 I'm going to say the hockey world is still going to think of this as the first card. It's going to hold some sort of sentiment. And then the fact that it's SP and the gem rate is so low, I think the PSA 10s could hold decent value. So let's roll the dice. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going for Bedard. Okay. Oh, man. Clark, man, this this is a good one. I'm glad you. I'm glad you kept it. It's a good one. Stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what bothers me is the value of the PSA 10. It is not worth 5k, right? It's not worth 5k. I don't think it's worth even with the 24 pop count. I was just checking PSA 9 values for both. Okay, so PSA 9 of sure, the Bedard way lower, SP, probably 995, right? Versus so a thousand bucks versus the uh, PSA 9 of the Ovechkin. Young Guns is last sold for a thousand five, so same price. So, question then, because I think I think I know the answer for all three of us. If the Future Watch Raw is five grand, I think we're all picking the Future Watch Raw, right? So, maybe we're underestimating the price of the Future Watch coming out. Because <laughs> if this card is five grand. And most people are going to pick the Future Watch. What is the Future Watch going to be at when it comes out? 
Something crazy. Yeah. Right? Something crazy. Maybe it's not six grand. Maybe it's seven. Maybe I, it's eight I, grand. I, 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 I do think that this card, the PSC 10 is different than any other card though. Like that's, that's, it's, it's like, a, there's an it, asterisk. It, there I is. Think it will hold yeah. the value because of the low pop count, the rarity. Yeah. It's like five, less than 5% gem rate, you know? And for me, it's like that SP authentic still is there's a lot out there. So the supply demand is way like different, right? So I think it will still hold the 5K over like a raw, you know what I mean? You're talking about SP Authentic Future Watch Auto, right? So it's not Future Watch Auto. Yeah, yeah. To 9.99 versus versus 2024. 20, right. For PSA 10. I, For PSA I, 10 specifically, yeah. I actually believe the the this SP card, Bedard, should drop well below three grand. I think it should. And that's the risky part. Because it could also go up. I mean, not by a lot. Because <laughs> I think once the young guns and the and the SP authentic come out, it's going to start to take the take the sale out. But it's it's that that pop count. The gem rate is is what got me. That's the only saving grace for this card. That gem rate. Okay, I'm going to decide. This, uh, this is a big one. It's taking a lot longer than <laughs> yeah. I. I'm going Ovechkin. Ovechkin is is the answer. I just can't believe that this SP. Connor Bedard card Me neither. will continue to go up. I think it went from 12 to 5. I think it'll go down to... I want to say it's going to go down to 2,000, 2,500. I, I think can see it's that. another 50% more to drop. I can see and, that. Um, and I think uh, the Young Guns for Ovechkin, I think it's it's kind of bottomed out right now around 3 to 4K. I think that's that's a good number. for. And I I, I also agree that Young Guns, it's, it's, it's a glorified base card. I'm not a huge fan of Young Guns. But people love young guns. I think there's this healthy demand for young guns rookie cards of of um, superstar hockey players. So I think that's why it's going to stabilize there. And then when we get closer to the goal, because you know Ovechkin's not going to retire until he breaks Gretzky's record, right? I think it might be a small bump from that point on. So there's room to go a bit back up. Whereas I just feel like there's another fifty percent drop coming for the Bedard SP. So Ovechkin it is, but the damn. PSA 10 gem rate. Gem rate is killer. The gem rate's killer. <laughs> we, I could totally be wrong. I could see it. I could see it being totally wrong as well, but only time will tell. We'll see how what, what happens. All right. Uh, thanks again for all our listeners and subscribers. We appreciate you guys. If you haven't uh, rated us yet and you enjoyed this show, we would love for you to give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll have a brand new show for you next week. Talk to you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at TradeU at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again, and hope to connect soon.